This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. And I'm Lyle Southwell. This is... Lawson Walters. And we are on Faith FM Radio, where we are about to present the next clue for our quiz because nobody mm. has it. Does anybody got it yet? No, no. Anyone have it? No one's even had a crack at it. Come on. Come on. Uh, yeah, give us a call. Come right. on, guys. 1-800-324-843. Someone needs to know what this is. What am I? This is a pretty common story. This next one is like, you. it'll open a lot of people's um Minds. No, oh, that sounded wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think you're okay. It's important to have, It's important to be open-minded. Amen. Um, it's just, some people are so open-minded, their brains fall out. <laughs> it's important not to be that open-minded. All right. What am I? Rahab the prostitute was not killed because she gave two of these lodging. Okay. So, um, if you would like to hear more about Rahab the prostitute. You need to be at Maitland Church this Saturday morning at 11 o'clock. In fact, come at 9.30 for small group Bible study. But I'll be speaking about Rahab the prostitute. Oh, there you go. Um, and I will be talking about these two that found lodging with Rahab the prostitute. Nice. So if you know the answer, then uh, give us a call. one eight hundred. Bit of a plug there for uh, East Maitland Seventh-day Adventist Church. So Classic. if you're anywhere, anywhere in the region, just uh, <laughs> I know anywhere in the world. <laughs> if you're in Adelaide or somewhere like that, Perth, just jump on a plane. Come yeah, and join us. Yeah, come, come, on, come on. I know this is a national broadcast, which is awesome. But <laughs> hey. I'm just abusing my uh, position here as the, the pastor of the local church as well as the breakfast show host. That is that is awesome. That's that's how it should go. Well, um, <laughs> all right, so we're about to encounter God. Lawson, Lawson is all for abusing positions oh, of power. I'm all about it. You know, it's not technically abuse if you can get away with it. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a terrible, terrible thing to say. That is the worst possible philosophy right there. Lawson, I demand that you take that back right I now. I fully take that. Okay, I just realized the implications of what I just said. Okay, I have... I have to remind people, I have to tell them about our conversation that we had. Just So just before we came on air, we were talking and I was like, oh man. If it was the boss. If you know, it was if the I, boss. If I was a big boss, I would like abuse that power to get them to build me a toilet in my office. So an I had my, you know, my own personal ensuite in the office wherever I was. You know, like that would yes. be cool. That is what was in my mind when, okay. I, when, I, when I said that statement, okay? It was lighthearted. Keep digging, Lawson. Keep digging. <laughs> You'll get out of it sooner or later. I'm going to dig so far you know i'm just gonna fall out the other side of the earth it's all good lawson is actually telling the truth he is a truth-telling person <laughs> amen um, that was the conversation that was taking place <laughs> but um yeah all right nehemiah chapter nine nehemiah chapter nine uh, I'm there. i think I'm we've got that go. cleared up let's uh begin reading in uh wait a minute that's the wrong one we are in Nehemiah chapter 9. I'm just looking at the wrong Bible study. We've got to get to today's Bible study. We've got to join the 20 million movement, mm-hmm. 20 million people all around the world reading the same passage of the Bible at the same time. And I just do need to say this um, as a reminder, if you are listening to the delayed broadcast or if you are listening in a region where your signal is not so strong, we now have our very own Faith FM 
app. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is uh, just download the app onto your device and you just click the button and it just plays. Bam. None of those dodgy ads for all kinds of whatever that you, we used to get on some of the other apps. Uh, none of that whatsoever at all. It just plays and it is amazing and it you'll is. have a perfect signal wherever you go and you are in for a blessing. Mm. So download the app and uh, get it on your phone, get it on your device, run it through feet, through your car stereo and uh, you are good to go. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 32 to 38 is where we are up to. Oh, mate, we're deep. We are we are plowing through this prayer. This has been an interesting prayer. You know, when you look back over the um, the history of the prayer, it begins by praising God, praising his name, praising his power, praising his creatorship. It moves on to, you know, God's dealings with his people and how God has always been righteous. God has always done the right thing. God has never done the wrong thing. And then it moves on to how when bad things have happened, it has always been the people. It's like mm. it's always been our fault. We are the ones who have brought this on ourselves. Mm. Um, now we're moving down towards the end of this prayer. Let's see how this prayer finishes off. So now they've dealt with those things, they've confessed their sins, and uh, let's let's read these uh, final verses, see what happens. So Nehemiah chapter 9 and verse 32, the Bible says, And now our God, the great and mighty and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love, do not let all the hardships we have suffered seem ins- insignificant to you. Great trouble has come upon us um, and upon our kings and leaders and priests and prophets and ancestors, all of your prophets and ancestors, sorry, all of your people from the days when the kings of Assyria first triumphed over us until now. Every time you punished us, you were being just. We have sinned greatly and you gave us only what we deserved. Our kings, leaders, priests and ancestors did not obey your law or listen to the warnings in your commands and laws even while they had their own kingdom they did not serve you though you showered your goodness on them you gave them a large fertile land but they refused to turn from their wickedness so now today we are slaves in the land of plenty that you gave our ancestors for their enjoyment we are slaves here in this good land the lust the lush produce of this land piles up in the hands of the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They have the power over us and our li- uh, over us and our livestock. We serve them at their pleasure, and we are in great misery. The people responded, "In view of all this, we are making a solemn promise and putting it in writing." On this sealed document are the names of our leaders and Levites and priests. Okay, there you go. Pretty full on how they finish off this prayer. Mm. Um, it's almost like a summary of the whole thing. It's it's uh, these last few verses. You've got a portion of praising God. You've got a portion of praising God for his greatness. Mm. Um, you've got a portion of praising God for his righteousness in dealing with them. There's another portion of confession. Um, there is a, a, a supplication, as in a request that is made. Um, and yeah, it finishes off by just, you know, honoring God once again. And, and of course, an admission of, you know, guilt and sin that has taken place. Um, all right. So let's, um, let's look at a couple of the highlights that we've got as we go down through this passage. Uh, starting in verse, uh, where we were 32. Now, therefore our God, the great, the mighty, the 
awesome God who keeps covenant and mercy. Mm. So they're not really holding back here, are they? And this is great. This is how we should be speaking about God. They're not treating God like one of the fellas. Mm. They're not being irreverent about God. Um, but they are being, you know, incredibly um, honoring towards God. It continues on. Let not all the trouble that we're experiencing right now seem little before you. Okay, so have they had trouble in the land of Judah since they returned from uh, Babylon? Yes. Yes, they have. It's like the whole book of Nehemiah. It's all about the trouble that they're in. (laughs) Yeah. They're in more and more and more and more and more trouble. And when you look at the power and the wealth that the city of Jerusalem attained to, you know, several hundred years later, when you come down to the time of Jesus, the second largest economy in the world was the temple in Jerusalem. Mm. The first largest was Rome, obviously, the city of Rome. But the second one was was the temple in Jerusalem. This was just a massive, massive economy in a small nation. Mm. And really that wealth and that power can be attributed to the reforms that Nehemiah brought about here and the reformation that took place amongst God's people and the blessings of God that took place as a result of of what started here with Nehemiah. Mm. So there's a lot of good things that started with Nehemiah. Um, Just too many of those good things they took to extremes. But uh, they they say, look, don't let this seem like uh, a little thing that has come upon us, our kings, our princes, and our priests, and our prophets, on our fathers and all your people since the time the kings of Assyria unto this day. And, you know, it, that, that they date it back until when the, you know, it begins with the Assyrians because the Assyrians are the first to invade. Mm. The Assyrians take the northern kingdom of Israel captive and exile them into oblivion, basically. The Assyrians try and take the southern kingdom of Judah and they reduce the southern kingdom of Judah to the walls of Jerusalem. Mm. Um, and it is there under Hezekiah, who goes before God, that the Assyrians are um, driven off by God. The angel of the Lord uh, goes out and kills 186,000 of them in one night. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And from that point forward, the kings of Judah and Israel, you know, there, there's just trouble. Yeah. It just never abates. Mm. There is just always trouble. Mm. Uh, Verse 33, how be it, you are just in all that is brought upon us. It's like, yeah, there's been trouble this whole time, never ending, nonstop trouble, but you're just. Mm. You didn't do anything wrong. We did a bunch of things wrong. And so here comes this point of confession. We have done wickedly. Neither have our kings, our princes, or priests, nor our fathers kept your law, nor listened to your commandments and your testimonies, wherewith that you did testify against them. And, you know, when you read the history of Israel, their prosperity was based around their obedience to the two things, the law and the prophets. Mm. The law and the prophets in the Bible always go together. And it works a little bit like this. The law is very simple. It's just Ten Commandments. It is the most simple, basic thing that there is, and it's just not that hard to understand. What you find is when you study this issue is that God's approach to his people is this. If you cannot obey the law, if you cannot keep the Ten Commandments, which is straightforward, 
which is simple, which is plain, which is unambiguous, then why come to me asking for extra information? Mm. Um, and, and why should I give you extra information? It's a little bit like you have a primary school uh, student who wants to learn, you know, say, for instance, the uh, calculus. Yeah. And the primary school student is screaming, 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 give me, give me, give me, give me calculus. I want to know the, you know, the most difficult form of mathematics or algebra or something or whatever it might be. I want to understand the most difficult formulas they are. And the teacher is saying, okay, that's great. But before you learn that, you need to learn how to count. Yeah. Mm. Um, or the primary school student who says, you know, I want to write an encyclopedia. <laughs> and the teacher says, before you write an encyclopedia, that's great. You know, go ahead. Please do. But before you do, you need to learn your ABCs. <laughs> you need to learn how to And read. so then what happens is the teacher refuses to teach algebra, calculus, or, you know, how to write an encyclopedia to the primary school student until they have mastered the ability of being able to count mm. and their ABCs. Mm. And you find the same thing happening with God. When God, um, when, 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 when God's people come to God and they're like, well, you know, we, we need to hear from the prophet. Mm. Uh, we need to know what to do right now. And God says, well, no. Why should I, why should I talk to you right now? Why should I share with you all of this extra information right now uh, when you are not keeping the law of God. Mm. You know, go keep the law of God. That's your one, two, three. That's your ABCs right there. And once you've mastered that, then come to me and I'll have lots more information for you. You find it, uh, you find this principle in a lot of different yeah, places Yeah, I was in the Bible. thinking that. It's, it's interesting the amount of thing, the, the amount of places where this shows up. Uh, like my mind immediately goes to, you know, First Corinthians or, or somewhere like this. Um, where are you going to head, Lyle? Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 7. Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter, chapter 7. seven. There's a bunch of them. There's a bunch of them in Jeremiah as well. Um, the law and the prophets always go together. And, you know, you sort of wonder why the gift of prophecy is not that common. And it's because keeping the law is not that common, really, when it all boils down. <laughs> oh, man, it's so true. Especially, like, I've been reading through um, Matthew at the moment, been studying through Matthew and kind of fine-tooth combing it. And, you know, just the claim, like, the, sorry, the plain and clear exposition that Jesus gives on the law of God. He's like, no one of these laws will be removed, you know, unless heaven would be removed. What does it say? Not one jot or one tittle, you know. Those who break the least of these commandments, you know, um, like they will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. And, and then, you know, makes the point after that, you know, about the, the persecution of the prophets and whatnot. And it's just baffling. It is absolutely baffling that, yeah, people can just take those, take those, uh, logical leaps and say oh nah the law of god like you know i guess from israel's perspective they knew that it was something that they needed to do and they just didn't do it but often like even for, for i think for a lot of people we can just look at it in a different way but ultimately it's just compromise 
Yeah. It's just it's just different forms of compromise. Like the children of Israel came at it from the p- point of like, oh yeah, well we're genetically God's people, and so if we stuff up and make mistakes, oh it's like all good. maybe I don't know. Th- there's all different areas where you can come to not keeping the law of God, but it's ultimately that you just want to compromise and. Oh, it's just it's just awful. It is. Okay, um, Lawson, can you uh, actually we're gonna, let's, let's go to Jeremiah first. Let's go to Jeremiah okay. twenty six. Okay, Jeremiah twenty six. I'm just man. This is, this Bible that we have here in the studio it's huge, and so to turn pages really fast is like, well, it's a mission. But here we go, Jeremiah twenty six. Which verse? Um, why don't you start for us? Let me see here. Do, 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 do. Verse four, five, and six. Sure. The Bible says, say to them, this is what the Lord says. If you will not listen to me and obey my words, I have given you. And if you will not listen to my servants and prophets, for I sent them again and again to warn you. Okay. You wait, 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 wait. Let me read it from mine. And you should say unto them, because mine's more specific. It's okay, Jay. Um, if you shall say unto them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me to walk in my law. So notice the law comes first. Mm-hmm which I have set before you, to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets. So notice the condition for the prosperity of God's people is both the law and the prophets together. And the law comes first. Mm. Okay. Um, It says, Whom I sent to you, both rising up early and sending them, but you've not listened. Then I'll make this house like Shiloh. In other words, he's going to destroy it. Mm. Um, And that's exactly what happened. If you go over to the next book of the Bible, which is... Ezekiel. No. Uh, Lamentations. That's right. Oh, man, I always <laughs> skip that. <laughs> As a tiny little book. It's very, very easy to skip. Okay, Lamentations chapter 2, and I'll read this one from verse 9, because this is Lamentations is the book that Jeremiah writes after they didn't keep the law and didn't listen to the prophets. Mm. And the temple was destroyed uh, by the Babylonians and the people were taken into captivity. And so uh, Jeremiah writes this about Jerusalem. Her gates are sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her priests are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. Now, when the Lord disappears, what happens next? Her prophets also find no vision from the Lord. Hmm. Okay, so notice notice what's happening here. The prosperity, and this is the principle, the prosperity for the Sorry, the conditions for the prosperity of God's people was to obey the law and listen to the prophets. And the law comes first, the prophets come second, because your law is your ABC. It's really simple. It's just Ten Commandments. Mm. Then you come down, you know, it's all gone to pot. Why did it all go to pot? Well, the law ceased to exist. And when the law of God was done away with, God's like, I'm not speaking through the prophets. Mm. I I can't be teaching you guys calculus when you haven't learned to count. Yeah. Go back, learn the law, and then I will give you all that extra information through the gift of prophecy. And of course, it was the law which was the great verification of the prophet. You know, the the, oh, the thing, thing which God used to. You know, it's like, oh, they will understand if a prophet's true because of his, you know, abiding of the law and and, and that's right, and upholding of the law. So it's like, how could the, he send them a prophet? It like like he would be setting them up to fail by sending them a prophet because then they would be you know in a mentality of we get sent prophets but then they don't even know how to verify them from the law so they get a bunch of false prophets who lead them into sin like 
It's 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 pretty crazy sad. stuff. <laughs> so it's nuts. It's just gnarly. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Okay, Man. let's go to where are we up to? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter seven now and verse twenty six. Let me read this one. Ezekiel seven and verse twenty six. Mischief shall come upon mischief, and rumor shall be upon rumor. Then they will seek of the then they will seek a vision of the prophet. So they're going to go to the prophet and like, we need some guidance here. We are in trouble. Um, really, really need some guidance. So they go to the prophet, but what happens? But the law is perished from the priest mm-hmm. and counsel from the ancients. Why, why are they not getting any counsel? Why is God not speaking through the prophet? Why is not God coming to them and saying, okay, you need to do this, do that, do the other? Because they have rejected the law of God. Mm. And when you reject the law of God... The gift of prophecy goes right along with it. Mm. If you stop keeping God's law and you do away with God's law, this is the result. There's more that rises in the morning than the sun And more that shines in the night than just the moon There's more than just this fire here that keeps me warm In a shelter that is larger than this room and there's a loyalty that's deeper than mere sentiment And a music higher than the songs that I can sing Stuff of earth competes for the allegiance I owe only to the giver of all good things So if I stand, let me stand on the promise You'll pull me through if I can't let me fall on the grace that first brought me to you So if I sing, let me sing for the joy that is born in me these songs And if I weep, let it be as a man who is longing for his home Dances on the prairies than the wind And more that pulses in the ocean than the tide There's a love that's fiercer than the love between friends More gentle than a mother's when her baby's at her side And there's a loyalty that's deeper than mere sentiment And a music higher than the songs that I can sing Stuff of earth competes for the allegiance I owe only to the giver of all good things So if I stand, let me stand on the promise That you'll pull me through And if I can't, let me fall on the grace That first brought me to you If I sing, let me sing for the joy that is born in me these songs. And if I weep, let it be as a man who is longing for his home. So if I stand, let me stand on the promise you'll pull me through. 
With Jars of Clay, with uh, if I stand here on Faith FM, we are in our encounter with God section, and yeah, we had some people cr- calling through uh, for bragging rights with the quiz, but nobody yet who's eligible for the prize. So that means it's still open, and that means we are about to give another clue. All right, okay, here we go. What am I? Moses sent twelve of these into Canaan. Only two came back with a good report. Okay, who were they? Twelve of them sent into Canaan. You can call us now if you know the answer. Two of them gave a good report. Ten of them gave a bad report. A bit of extra information as a result of the Israelites accepting the bad report. They spent 40 years in the wilderness. Mm. Okay, so here's the number to call if you know the answer. 1-800-324-843. That is 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us on 491 Six nine, and there'll be a prize coming your way. We were talking about the concept of the law and the prophets, mm-hmm. and how the condition for the prosperity of God's people was keeping both. How the law is kind of like your ABCs, and your prophets are kind of like your encyclopedia mm. of information. I was just thinking about that. I was thinking of examples because you were saying that. Oh yeah, when, when the law was you know scarce, then God wouldn't send them the prophets because they they couldn't like, handle it. Guys, yeah, just keep the law. <laughs> just just do this bit. Mm. You know. Once you've mastered that, then I'll give you the rest. But master this first. Well, I thought of just one particular example where God pretty much, and this this happens pretty often, the most notable prophets in the Bible are the ones that God has to send to the nation of Israel, even though like, like when they're really not prospering and when they're not keeping the law, because God's like, there's literally nothing else I can do. And my mind goes to like, you know, um, Samuel, for example. When you read in First Sam- Samuel, it says the word of the Lord. And some contemporary translations, you know, I'll translate this to like the messages from God, but it, in, when you read it in you know a, a very literal um, translation, it's like the word of the law was sparse, you know, in 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 the nation at that time. At, when it opens the book of Samuel, and I think in chapter three, when we actually get introduced to Samuel, it's like yep. the word of the Lord was sparse, and then you read about the um, the priests, and they're just like corrupt, in, corrupt. As they're like stealing the sacrifices, and you know the abusing the women, sexually abusing the women, you know Eli, molesting women, their head priest, he's like ninety, you know, which is like was against the Levitical law. Two lifetimes in his age. Yeah, exactly. It was just like it was just gnarly as. Um, and then Samuel rocks up as an eight-year-old boy. He receives you know a message from God that basically God proclaiming that he's gonna like get rid of Eli and like you know, um give the priesthood to someone else and it's it's a it's a really interesting uh hectic story but then yeah god uses samuel an eight-year-old boy to then give messages from him basically to the nation of like 
you guys need to get back to the law. We need to be representing God better than this. It was unfortunately just a little while after, um, you know, so once Samuel had gotten into his age that then they requested a king, which God didn't want. And we just see again so clearly, even in that situation, like Samuel, it's like everything they need. It's a prophet that starts preaching the law. They start following the law. Then he comes in with the prophecy. And then like, even in, in Samuel's lifetime, then they're like, oh, we want a king now. We want to get rid of you. Like, because it says at the end of chapter three, as Samuel, as an eight-year-old boy prophet, it's like the word was then established from the top of Israel to the bottom. Like goes through, incites complete reform. They start prospering again. They're like, all right, we want a king now. And it's just, oh, you see clearly just over and over again, the state that Israel was in, that they were just like, they're just falling apart. They're like, oh man, come on. Like get it, get it together. Indeed. Lawson, Ezekiel chapter 20 Ooh. is where we're going next. And this is probably one of the most stark examples of what, I've, of what I've been talking about here that you'll find in the Bible anywhere. It says this in verse 3. So this is Ezekiel chapter 20 and verse 3. In fact, why don't you read for us, Lawson? Son of man, tell the leaders of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says. How dare you come to me and ask for messages? As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord. I will tell you nothing. Okay, so this is this is a really stark example, isn't it? Yeah. You know, this is not God hinting at anything. This is not God, you know, laying down a principle of this is how it works. You won't keep the law of God, therefore I won't talk to you. No, no, none of that. None of that whatsoever at all. This is God straight out coming to them and saying, look, you come to me and you're asking for information. I'm not going to tell you anything. <laughs> this is your primary school student coming to your teacher and saying, teach me algebra. And the teacher saying, no, I'm not going to teach you anything. You need to learn to count. One, two, three, four. You know, this is what God is saying here. I will not teach you algebra. I will not teach you calculus. You need to learn to count first. And when you read this passage in its context, that's what's exactly what it's all about because it goes on to, uh, to compare it with uh, the rebellion in the wilderness. This is but the house of Israel. And it's like, this is what you're doing right now. The house of Israel rebelled, this is verse 13, against me in the wilderness they did not walk in my law. They despised my judgments. If a man uh, do, he will even live in them. My Sabbaths they greatly polluted. Then I said, I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them. Mm. And so, once again, you've got this is this is why God is saying, I'm not going to talk to you. Mm. You despise my law and you pollute my Sabbaths. Mm. Okay, so let's reverse that equation. Let's say they honor the law and keep the Sabbath. Then what is God going to do? Speak to them. You know, this, is a, this answers for us a very important question. And that question is, what happened to the gift of prophecy during the Dark Ages? Mm. Because the gift of prophecy is found throughout the Bible. There is typically uh, somebody at most of the major uh, points in the Bible who has the gift of prophecy. Mm. And we see during the times of great prosperity, like under King David, for example, there's bands and schools of prophets. You know, That's right. Heaps of them. Yeah. Um, and so the gift of prophecy exists throughout the Bible. Then you come down to the early church. The gift of prophecy is there. Um, and then it vanishes. You know, Once you hit the, your second, third century, the gift of prophecy vanishes, and it pretty much vanishes right the way through the Dark Ages. And many people wonder why. The answer is so simple. This is the time in which... Christianity walked away from the law of God. Mm. 
And when they walked away from the law of God, the gift of prophecy disappeared as well because the law and the prophets always go together in the Bible. If you go back to Isaiah, for an example, Isaiah uh, chapter 8, and we could, look at, we could look at passage after passage after passage on this. Um, Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, it says, To the law and to the testimony. The testimony is the writings of the prophets. Mm. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Okay, so to the law and to the testimony, the testimony of Jesus Christ, the words of the prophets, these two things always go together. Mm. Now, what is fascinating is that when you come down to the end of time, I want you to notice what the Bible says in Revelation, uh, Revelation chapter 12. And verse 17, Revelation 12 and verse 17, the Bible says the dragon was angry with the woman, went to make war with the remnant. Now the word remnant here uh, indicates this is the end of time because this is the church that remains at the end of time. The remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God. So notice the first thing that it mentions here is that the remnant keep the commandments of God. Now, if keeping the commandments of God precedes receiving the gift of prophecy, what would we expect to happen once people go back to keeping the commandments of God again? That the gift of prophecy would come back. Notice what it says, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The Bible says Mm. the testimony of Jesus Jesus Christ is the gift of prophecy. Mm. And so when keeping the law is restored, the gift of prophecy is restored right along with it. Mm. Right there. Those two things, they go hand in hand. And as soon as uh, the commandments have been kept, gift of prophecy is back again. Lauren Daigle with You Say. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough.
survive in the bush? Are you in touch with the God of nature? Are you learning the skills you need for a successful life? Grafton Pathfinder Club can help. With a Christian foundation, our pathfinders enjoy camping out in the most amazing locations. Paddle a canoe, hike up the mountain, abseil down a cliff, tie knots and lashings, follow a map to the treasure, use your survival skills in the bush, earn some honours from a large list of pursuits, Make friends that you'll keep for a lifetime. Our hall meetings in South Grafton are on the first Saturday of each month from 2pm to 4pm. We're inviting young children aged between 10 and 16 to join us on our next adventure. Send us an email now at graftonpathfinders at gmail.com or find us on Facebook under Grafton Pathfinder Club. We're empowering youth for a resilient future. Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown, maybe. Long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know my redeemer.
very same God that spins things in orbit runs to the weary, the worn and the weak, and the same gentle hands that hold me when I'm broken, they conquer death to bring me You're listening to Anthem Lights because he lives here on Faith FM. We have come to our question of the day time. Before we get to that, we do need to mention a congratulations to Shireen from Adelaide for answering the quiz correctly. The answer was spies. Mm-hmm. And I alluded to my friend Eda pronouncing that really funny. Oh, you did too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically... Let's call oh, Eda out. Yeah, quick, quick context. We're playing this game called Resistance where you're trying to figure out who's the spy. Yes. And, you know, you accuse people and they have to come up with reasons why they're not the spy. And she's like, guys, I'm not a spee. A spee. <laughs> I'm not a spee. I promise. <laughs> just dying <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I'm not a spee. <laughs> and now, now, like, one of her nicknames is Speeder. <laughs> this is the best. Oh, uh, dear. You guys are just, oh, you guys are terrible. Nah, we love Eda. Picking, picking, on, picking on Eda like that. Eda's amazing. <laughs> um, right, question of the day. Yes. Question of the day. What do you got for us, Lawson? Question of the day. So the question of the day is, can an unmarried man be a deacon or an elder? No. Oh, they, there you go. <laughs> Actually, no, that's not the case. Um, let's go to First Timothy chapter 3, and let's read what the Bible says here about elders and deacons. And when you read this, it's going to be like, okay, that's pretty black and white. That means that an unmarried man cannot be a deacon or an elder or a pastor or a priest or anything else like that. Okay, so in the Bible, there are two different um, ministry callings. You have the deacon and the elder. That's all. The elder, the word elder, the word bishop, the word pastor are all the same thing mm. um, and are equivalent to the priest mm-hmm. and the deacon equivalent to the Levite. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's your Old Testament um, you know, terminology for that. The Bible says this, First uh, Timothy chapter 3 and verse 2, A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, and given to hospitality, and apt to teach. 
So one of the qualifications here for a bishop or an elder or a pastor, same thing, is that he is the husband of one wife. Mm -hmm. The question that comes up here is the issue that Paul is raising, uh, the issue of marriage, or is it the issue of polygamy? Mm. Okay, so is he specifying that the person must not be polygamous, or is he specifying that the person must be married? Which in in uh, today's culture, where um, you know monogamous marriages are taken for granted and polygamous marriages are you know outlawed, we don't even think about polygamous marriages, and so we read the verse and we and we immediately jump to Paul is speaking about marriage. In verse twelve, it says, "Let the deacons." be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their houses well. So once again, is the issue here uh, an, an issue of, um, of marriage or is it an issue of polygamy? Well, the answer is very, very simple. It is an issue of polygamy. Mm. It is not the issue of uh, marriage. So an elder or a deacon is not required to be uh, or a pastor or a bishop is not required to be married in the Bible. They are required to be pure in the Bible. So mm. if they are married, they can only be married to one wife. They cannot be an adulterer. They cannot be a polygamist. They cannot be a fornicator, etc. They can only be married to one wife. Okay, how do we know that that is the case? Well, we know that is the case, first of all, by who Paul is writing to. Paul is writing to Timothy. Who was Timothy? Timothy was a young, single, unmarried teenager. Mm. And he was the bishop, the pastor, the elder of his particular church. Not only that, if we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and we go down to verse 8, it says, uh, verse 7, it says, For I would that all men were even as I myself. He's like, I wish everyone was like me, single. Mm. Paul was single and he recommends it as a great way to do ministry. Paul was one of the most eminent pastor, bishop, evangelists that you find anywhere in the Bible. Mm. He was ordained as such. The Bible tells us about his ordain, ordination with the laying on of hands. And he was single. Therefore, we know that Paul is speaking about um, sexual purity rather than just um, um, the issue of marriage. A single person can be an elder. The sun goes down and the moon cries out its love for you. The world confides in the love that hides between the two And I know I'm not afraid to call this home And I know that you aren't too And you fall down in the light, in the blinding
from the fire they're leading themselves into a world apart there's a new restart if you simply choose and I know I'm going to a better place and I hope that you are too and you Welcome back, guys. That was Matthew Cole with uh, you and your crown here on Faith FM. We have come to the end of the breakfast show, which is kind of sad for Lawson and myself because we have enjoyed spending the morning with you. We've had a great time. It's been awesome having Marta back in the driver's seat again, running the show. She's done an incredible job. And um, we're about to give something away. Lawson has pulled something out of the prize box. What have you got for us there, Lawson? It's a book. Okay, what's it called? It's called What is God Like? No, it's not. What what God is like. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is a really good one. We actually interviewed the author of this book yeah, here um, earlier in the year, uh, Dr. Barry Harker. And um, yeah, what God is like a lot. You know, this is one of the most critical questions that we have in our world right now because a lot of people have a very, very false impression of what God is actually like. Mm. Um, and I think that really comes from a long history of uh, people abusing the character of God by misrepresenting him. Mm -hmm. So Satan has always been trying to misrepresent the character of God and to do whatever he can to destroy the character of God. And so, um, yeah, you've got, uh, you've got um, this, uh, this book here that Dr. Barry Hark has put together to answer those questions. You know, what, what, what is God actually like? Mm -hmm. What does the Bible actually say about the character of God? Is, you know, how do you deal with some of the hard questions that there are in the Bible. Of course, there is, you know, so many people scrambling over the question, you know, is God real? And all the scientific research that goes into that. But then the next, like, well, that can be fueled by all the next step is, you know, what is God actually like? That's right, because it's not hard to define that God is real. Mm. Then you need to determine, all right, if God is real, what is he actually like? Yeah. Should I be scared of him? Should I love him? Should I serve him? Should I hate him? Should I run from him? What should I do? If you want to know the answer to all of those questions, give us a call 1 800 324 843.